Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. from the Vegas studios it is weekend geek update smurf here whoo is it just me or has it been just a wild september it's gone it's over everything is is back as it should be october is here we're questing forward so many things to talk to you about so many things to to expand on and i'm excited to share because sharing is caring <laughs> or at least so I'm told. We are sponsored by Dragon Meadery, who is an amazing sponsor, and uh, we appreciate their contribution to Smurf, me, uh, and my perpetual drinking habit. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, they were the creators of this year's Colorado Festival of Horror Cabernet, and if you haven't ordered it, I think there are a few bottles left. Go to the link below and get your last bottle before this year's Vintage is Gone. The 2023 season uh, of Kofo is ended. We have a new one coming for next year, but this vintage will be done. It uh, sold out at the event. Everybody loved it. I only have a few bottles of it myself left, so... If you want to get it before it's gone, it is definitely uh, worth picking up. In addition to our wine, Dragon Meadery also has some amazing meads. Uh, we're working with them for some some new ideas for next year, and I'm excited to bring those to you guys. But uh, no spoilers, just just stuff coming. So much stuff. So where to start? It's an excellent question. And there's a lot to report on, to fill you in on. So let's start with what we just did. And that is the Colorado Festival of Horror. You might have seen a couple of weeks our interviews with some of our guests. And it was fun. It was great. Uh, Kirk Thatcher is amazing. Had some fun interactions. Uh, the cast from Texas Chainsaw Massacre also were just absolutely on point. Uh, John Dugan, I don't think, never uh, was empty-handed, and, and I think he always had a beer in his hand. We were doing the early morning podcast on Saturday, and he already had a beer. And this was like 10 o'clock in the morning. He's sitting there holding a, a Foster's, which absolutely was hilarious. He never, never once did not have a drink in his hand. So... I life goals. I'm just telling you, if I can do that for my retirement, then I'm in ready to go. But the interviews that we have done are available on our YouTube page. In addition to, if you just want to hear the audio, the podcast itself is available uh, in the links below in the video. If you want to go to it or just go to Podbean or any of your podcast subscribers and Apple tunes, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, we are there. Weekend Geek Update, the 5280 Geek, anything, you'll find it. It's there. I promise. Just look. We're there. (laughs) 
We also have more interviews to come. I just wanted to talk. I wanted to get things off my chest, you know, and what better way of doing that than to talk to you and just, you know, exercise the demons. So you will have more interviews coming. In fact, my interview with Jeffrey Reddick, my longtime buddy, uh, him and I got to catch up and touch base on a few things in addition to we had other media outlets that were there that have also put out their interviews with some of our guests monique dupree jeffrey reddick of course and uh we've got the hex publishing interview that should be coming out shortly too with the release of true believers our very own comic book that hex publishers has put together and it's uh very impressive josh viola who runs hex publishing was a guest and stephen graham jones is the author of this story so we're very excited to see what happens and if any of us die because we all know my big thing is just put me in in the story i don't have to have lines i don't need to be anything relevant but just kill me just just kill me off in the story that's all i that's all i ask it's not much jeffrey is still working on bringing me in and and whacking me so (laughs) it's always fun again life goals we all have them what else so with that in mind the uh colorado festival of horror came to its glorious conclusion for this year we are extremely thankful to all of the fans and everyone who would come out and join us for celebrating horror and some of our guests we had uh karaoke there is a video of me out there singing karaoke because nobody knew that you know i actually could carry a tune everyone thinks i'm just you know this this chatter on the other end of the mic but i actually can carry a tune and did my own song so that video is floating out there brett later one also did a song which is endlessly hilarious uh and it's so fun i don't know if crozier did a song i don't think i don't think he was up there for that the best singer believe it or not is dean gates uh he did this amazing interactive video presentation panel with phantasm because he is one of the principal creators of the ball and he worked quite extensively on that project and he's coming back next year to do the exact same thing uh, and i'll get to that in just a second but uh he did this amazing lounge singer routine that left i mean all of us just in awe of how skilled the man is with um a microphone and and singing he totally lounge singer it up i mean it was even better than any bill murray rendition i'd seen on saturday night live the man was just (sighs) quite the crooner so i do believe we will see karaoke return for next year as well because the room was packed people had a very very good time Dean Gates, of course, if you didn't get to see his panel with the Phantasm uh, balls and him talking about specific things that happened in the film while the film was going on, it was an amazing experience. And it's not very often you get to sit with one of the creators and someone that worked, you know, behind the scenes and the makeup and all of that. So next year we will do another film by Dean Gates. And I'm very I can't I can't give it away. I am absolutely thrilled at the film 
that we're going to be doing. So this is something to look forward to next year. And next year's date for Colorado Festival of Horror has been set to September 13th, 14th, and 15th. We will be at this same Marriott location in the uh, just on the other side of the Park Meadows Mall, right there in Lone Tree. Everybody loved the location. It was it was fun. Everyone's on the same floor. You're not chasing everybody around. It was awesome. We even had people who were there for a wedding decide to join the Festival of Horrors antics and hang out with us and take pictures with some of the special guests and some of the props that Distortions were kind enough to decorate with us and set this amazing scene that... Not a lot of people understood. There were some hockey kids that were there taking pictures. It really was a good time. So wait for it. It will be posting soon as far as being able to purchase early bird tickets for COFO next year. And like I said, September 13th through the 15th. And that is right. That is a Friday the 13th. So kind of there's a hint. There you Something to look forward to next year. Keep an eye out for it. So... There you have it. Now, on to what's going on in the Geekverse. Let's start with some of the horror films that have landed. Been able to see a few. We had a special screening for Haunting in uh, Venice, which really is awesome. It takes more from the Agatha Christie storylines and the ongoing series from... Death on the Orient Express, uh, Death on the Nile. So if if you haven't seen them, um, Kenneth Branagh has done this amazing job with recreating uh, Hercule Perrault. Perrault. I always screw up his name, so I apologize, but it's not a pod- podcast in, unless I mess up your name. But Hercule, Hercule Perrault. Yes, I know, I'm going to get a lot of mail. Uh, Is this great detective, kind of Sherlockian style, uh, knows the process, he he follows it religiously, and he's very meticulous in his um, detective work. So it's an Agatha Christie story that I read ages ago. I I don't... I didn't remember much of it. When I went in, I was actually very surprised. And A Haunting in Venice is really, again, another star-studded cast of people coming in and, you know, giving Agatha Christie her due. And it is a very compelling and interesting story. The effects and kind of the jump scares, eh, it's good. But overall, I'm still in love with this this series that Kenneth Branagh continues to deliver on. If you haven't seen it, I know it's in theaters now. Go check it out. We also, this last week, saw the new Exorcist. So finally we get an R-rated film, which, uh, a horror film. Because it seems, I'm sorry, horror needs to be R-rated, okay? I know that sounds very meh, narrow-minded, and just kind of like, well, we could have more horror with, like, a PG. No, you can't. We need horror to be R all the time. I just feel that there's there's too many opportunities with an R rating that you are limited with a PG-13 rating. You only can go so far. And I'm not saying go over the top with slasher and blood and gore and unnecessary violence. No, that's not what I'm saying. But to get kind of the impression or to to invoke 
an emotional response in someone, I think you need to ratchet it up just a little bit. It's horror. We want you to jump. We need you to be scared. That's that's the whole point of a horror film. Be scared. So Exorcist, it's called Exorcist Believer. And it's a very... Okay, so... Sit down. This may take a minute. The story itself is not bad. It's relatively good. Um, Scott Teams is, um, and uh, David Gordon Green, who David Gordon Green has done a lot of horror films, and I do appreciate his writing. However, sometimes I think he does get a little lazy and cut some corners. And we see that in The Exorcist because there's, there's some ripe opportunities to expand on some of the characters that we see but or that are involved but we don't really know much about them we do do a deep dive on a couple of the main characters but there it it seems like there was just stuff left that that there was more that we could have told there's some underlining stories for these characters and there are comments made that indicate there is more going on with them than we know or see or you know have the opportunity to explore now the possessions itself it is very classic exorcist and there are some intense i mean Good lord, the final the final scene, the third act is extremely intense and I needed a cocktail just after that just like wow. There are some amazing special effects, the makeup and the just the whole setting for the the exorcism and everything that goes on is is tremendous. Like I said, it's a little slow to start, and as it ramps up, there are some some interesting tropes that we kind of get to explore, and the fact that we also bring in more than just the Catholic Church, which of course epically fails, because it's the Catholic Church and they never want to be involved in anything. But, in true fashion, we get them involved, in addition to all these additional religious uh, beliefs and systems and, and thoughts. So, to see them kind of explore that and go that way instead of just relying solely on the one Catholic, you know, Catholicism and uh, the the main church was kind of in is kind of enlightening. It was kind of cool, and I liked that aspect of it. Now, is there going to be a sequel? I would like to see a sequel just so that we can explore some of what we saw. We do get some very impressive surprises in regards to characters and appearances again no spoilers i know the movie is just uh, about to come out so seeing the the, the special screening is you know just kind of fun so uh, is it worth seeing in the theaters absolutely there are some fun moments that again jump scares people were uh i wouldn't say screaming but you know there there were some there's some ah, you know out of the corners that <laughs> were absolutely uh, warranted, but it was just kind of funny when you're in a room with everybody and somebody jumps and makes the, the eek noise. But the kids in this, they deliver uh, an impressive freaking uh, performance. I I do have to say that the, I mean it it's it is as it is. I mean creepy children are bad enough, and now you're gonna possess them with demons. It's not fair. Creepy children are worse than dolls, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> but it is worth it 
Um, the film runtime is already an hour and 50 minutes. I honestly think that they could have stretched it, give us a little 15 more minutes, and I think this film would be a little bit better. But everyone that screened the film with us enjoyed it thoroughly. I did enjoy it. Don't take my negative or constructive comments too deeply. For an Exorcist film, uh, it's it's very impressive. Like I said, it's it's worth to see in uh, the theaters for sure, especially for the Halloween season. What else is going on? So, in the world of streaming, well, first of all, let's back up. The writers are no longer in strike, which means we get the return of late night TV, which is as uninspiring as it's been over the last few uh, months prior to... The, the strike, sorry, I'm not a big fan of the, the late night TV guys anymore. They've gotten kind of, eh. But the writers are back, which is good, which means maybe we can get back to business as usual for some films and some TV shows. The uh, new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is now on Paramount+, Plus, is one of those ones that I think could have done better with the writing, to be honest with you. The art and the characters are cool. They're inspiring, and it's fun to watch. The turtles are definitely early in their earlier adolescence, and not full-blown teenagers, but on on the path. The voiceover or voice actors delivered a great performance. Jackie Chan as Splinter was pretty hilarious, actually, and I I enjoyed a lot of it, but. The um, the writing and the overall story itself is kind of flat. It's been done before, and I was kind of hoping for something just a little bit different. We're introducing another generation to the Turtles, and maybe it's just because I'm, I'm so far removed from it or I've just seen these Turtle stories before that, you know, it seems like it's a rehash. But it's still... It's decent. I mean, it, it, it's definitely for kids. The kids love it. The, the artwork, like I said, is impressive. I actually was more uh, pulled in by the artwork than I was the story. And it, was, it always seems to like the artwork shifts as the, the perspective of the story changes. And I know that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's, when you watch it, I'd like for input from other people because as you're watching it and you see just the the character development and how they put this on the screen it's actually a very impressive visual presentation in fact i would watch it again and just mute it make up my own dialogue which probably be a bigger uh improvement to what we got but even for the Turtle fans, I still enjoyed watching it. I felt bad that I don't think Rob Polson was on there or in it. I, I, it's not a Turtles unless Rob Polson is involved. I'm just saying. <laughs> what else? Oh, and I got trapped. I was so, so here's the bad thing. When you're you know scanning through endless amounts of streaming options, I ended up watching this War of the Worlds thing on Hulu that was just... It's just weird, and it's funny because I'm watching this before I go to see the Exorcist screening, 
And where the War of the Worlds ends, they're with this priest held up in a house waiting for the Martians to go by. And the priest is convinced the end of times is here because of him and the sinners. And they're like, no, dude, that's a Martian. That's not a demon. So it was very, very surreal. Like, oh, okay, sure. (laughs) But the series, it's a show. I don't know. It's very interesting. Uh, But I haven't finished it yet. So maybe I'll get more into it. But I don't know if I'm going back for that one. The one that I'm really on the bubble about is The Continental. And we all know how much I love John Wick, how much I love um, the Wickerverse. And I wish we would be able to explore that a little bit more and less 70s cliches. The series is three parts, and it airs on Friday. The third part will be coming out this week, tomorrow. And I'm, 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 eh. The character that we're exploring is Winston, who ends up running the Continental, Ian McShane's character, who I absolutely adore, and and I have anxiously been awaiting this series. But, eh, there are elements of uh, the Wickerverse that have been in the show, that we, we get, and they've been fun, but they've been few and far between. As we see a little bit more into the Winston character and how he came about to, I think, or eventually, run the Continental. Now, I was hoping that we would see a little bit more with the high table and, you know, what's going on with all of these other, you know, Factions and, and everything else is kind of kind of that's going on when we finally get Keanu Reeves in uh, John Wick because this universe is very fleshed out. We just don't know what it is, and to get these little hints and some of these new characters that are old characters has been fun, but it just seems kind of. Eh, I don't, and, and I, it hurts my heart to see this because I want. To know more about Winston, I think Winston character in the Continental is is perfect, and maybe it's just the fact that it's Ian McShane delivering another stellar performance, or just the fact that it's a very complex and well put together character. The story itself seems like a rehash, and we have seen this kind of story before. Mel Gibson is completely off the rails, insane, but is still very lethal and a very compelling character from the standpoint of what's what's he in it and just how bad it could have been or could be if he had stayed in control of the Continental. Because let's face it, we kind of know where this is going. But, as I said, the story seems kind of a rehash from what we saw in the films. And I think that's a missed opportunity to actually expand a little bit more. We don't need to know everything but just a little bit more of a glimpse past you know what we're getting i think it would have been beneficial it being a limited series on peacock definitely helps and the fact that peacock is now this force because twisted metal which i can't speak highly enough of uh and now the continental which again it's it's fine, and maybe once I sit down and power through all three episodes again, I may change my opinion on uh, the overarching story that we're getting delivered. 
But Peacock has got some stuff. I mean, damn. Even this week... um, Quantum Leap and Magnum P.I. both return to uh, the airwaves, and I'm so excited, especially with Quantum Leap and how it was left. We have no idea who is leaping home. We know um, it's it's not who we think it is, but who who is it? So I'm I'm very anxious and and so eager to see who all is coming back and like i said magnum pi which i absolutely love the show uh jay hernandez does such a a good job at being thomas that it's it's yeah i i I thoroughly love the show but peacock is killing it with just good content overall unless of course you know the continental really drops off this week what else did we see? In addition to all of that, we did see some more on Doctor Who's 60th anniversary as it gets closer, and we've gotten some more uh, reveals, and very excited to see this. Now, the anniversary episode is going to air sometime in November of this year. They haven't narrowed it down anything, but what we do know uh, for sure that... Neil Patrick Harris is the celestial uh, known as the toy maker. And I I know I had a lot of uh, things, and I know I have actually even thrown out that it was the toy maker, but it is official, and I was semi-right. I, I know I had other, like, theories, but I did throw the toy maker out there. But to go back and see some of the other stories that have been around the toy maker i'm very interested to see how this plays out the original toy maker faced off against the original doctor uh and then he has popped up in some of the other expanded universe in audiobooks and um printed books that came out later so to see what they're going to do with this and with russell t davies back behind the wheel for the series and being such a devout fan, I'm really thinking this is going to be a fun little kind of outing. The new trailer that came out definitely opens up some huge questions. Because as David Tennant returns as the 14th Doctor now, and, you know, 10th and 14th, he said that there are some differences between his character from the 10th and the 14th. He still has all of the experiences and everything from the previous Doctor, so he's a little he's a little different in some regards, but we will recognize uh, this Doctor without any uh, doubt at all. We also get Donna, and we're kind of curious to see how this it, rolls out. The new trailer shows us a little bit deeper look into uh, Donna hanging out with the Doctor, things and uh, stuff going wrong with the TARDIS, and uh, the return of Unit, which I think was another thing that Chimnall uh, mothballing or throwing in a dark hole, as he did, was a huge mistake. Unit's always been part of the Doctor Who universe, and to not have them included is stupid. So I'm... I'm I'm immensely interested to see how this all unfolds. And, of course, we are going to get three different episodes that evidently interlink somehow, somehow all together. And will we get a little bit more on the Toymaker's character? 
maybe. I'm I'm wondering if they're going to stick to the established rules that we have seen with the first Doctor, that if you beat the Toymaker, he basically uh, explodes <laughs> for all intents and purposes, and he takes the world that he has created with him. So he's he's quite the adversary, and he's immortal. He is an ancient of uh, immense power. So... I, I am, I'm excited to see them as they go through the, the, the steps on that. Uh, in addition to that, if you haven't been paying attention, or uh, maybe you haven't, you've already got this, Magic the Gathering did have the Doctor Who cards come out, and uh, it coincides with you know the celebration and everything else. I have not seen any of the cards yet. I haven't played Magic in, well, quite some time. So... I should probably kind of step in and see what these look like. Um, if you've got images, send them my way because I know the initial description, and we talked about when they uh, they released the press, uh, uh, them doing these cards. So I'm kind of curious. I saw one holographic card that had this TARDIS on it, and it looked absolutely spectacular. In other news, Mr. Tim Burton has announced that Beetlejuice 2 is 99% done, and I'm sure it's probably even closer now that they can go back to work. The premise of the story is 36 years after Beetlejuice. Um, the sequel is coming. Michael Keaton, Winona Ryder, Catherine O'Hare are all reprising their roles from the original film and is scheduled to release next year. Uh, I, mm, eh, eh. I've got mixed feelings. Um, Tim Burton has been quoted saying, uh, I feel grateful for what we got. Literally, it was a day and a half. We know what we have to do and it's 19 or excuse me, 99% done. Uh, he goes on to say, honestly, I don't really know because I'm really not that good at uh, talking or speaking or trying to tell something, so to speak. Looking back, it's a very, very strange journey that I can't quite explain. So, I, I mean, Burton has always just been kind of, you know, awkward, and I've seen him in interviews, and definitely uh, the story surrounding Nightmare Before Christmas, which is always an interesting tale to hear. Um I I don't know. I can't. Uh, I like Michael Keaton. I want to see him back. I want to see Winona Ryder, but I don't know if I really want to see Beetlejuice. Like the, it, it, where it ended, I was I was fine. I really didn't care. I know we get like Jenna Ortega in there as well, and it's um, so much more going on. I mean, there's not a whole lot to work on. I mean. With the exception of us getting Jenna Ortega back as the daughter to Lydia, and uh, we've also got Monica Bellici that is married to Beetlejuice. So, okay, uh, sure. And William Defoe um, is also in this as a law enforcement person from the afterlife. So I guess you can get in trouble uh, with the cops even when you're dead. That's that's just great. There's the message. <laughs> Other than that, there's not a whole lot that is out there floating around in regards to the story or anything else. But as I find out, I'll let you know.
And in comic book news, there's been some weird developments in the last couple of days, one of which is Dark Horse Comics is getting into gaming. They are partnering with uh, Massive Press and is printing a hardcover edition of the new tabletop role-playing game Lancer. Uh, the premise is the game is set 15 thousand years in the future. Lancer uh, is a reality where humanity has moved into the stars following uh, a great disaster. So the Earth blew up. Uh, the galaxy is organized by Union. Well, of course it is. And central uh, homegrown of civilization which has created an amazing new technology. The dream of utopia has been made a reality in Union's heart, but the outskirts of space remain lawless. So there you go. Um, very interesting. I know, and it was kind of funny because we were talking about this the other day uh, amongst my comic book brethren of what the fate uh, may be for Dark Horse. Since losing the majority of their IPs and you can't survive on Hellboy and with Lock and Key not really uh, producing anything or coming back to Netflix, Dark Horse is looking at a very dark future. Evidently, them doing uh, tabletop and uh, role-playing games is going to be their new direction, especially after they had laid off a lot of their creatives. So to see this is kind of um, exciting. As And as while Dark Horse tries to find its footing, Image um, releases this impressive story that Rick Remainder uh, is basically been signed to a three-year exclusive contract with them. So there's this weird shift for creatives, and I absolutely love Rick's work. I mean, and him signing a three-year exclusive with Image is um, just wow. Especially when you're dealing with, like, I know he's been doing a lot of stuff for Marvel. I don't think it's been a while since he's been on the DC side of things. But him going over to Image and just kind of leaving Marvel in a lurch uh, could be uh, disastrous. And... Um, the, the the story as it goes, he receives some very generous offers to write X-Men uh, and Batman. And God, does Batman need some help. And, of course, I don't think there's really saving X-Men at this point in any kind of uh, alternate reality or anything else. So, yeah. And Remender has been on the uh, image side Actually, a couple of times. One of his uh, stories, which is one of my favorite, is Seven to Eternity. And that story, it only ran um, about a year, but it was just so well well done. that it, it, And the artwork in it and all of that, it was just spectacular. So to see him kind of come back and just be firmly rooted for the next three years in image really makes me wonder if they're trying to build some new image universe or something kind of um larger than what we're expecting so we will see and uh i'm i'm excited to see what he actually produces out of this so uh yeah the one thing about image which if you're not aware um they don't take any ownership of the 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 product, the characters. It's the completely character or uh, creator owned, and it's 
it's reassuring. It's kind of relieving, and it gives you the opportunity, I think, to tell your story, to expand. And Image has had some amazing stories, especially this week with the new Transformers uh, title hitting because uh, I, I just wowzers. I never thought I would be so excited to get a Transformers comic book again, but I got I got it. I got to tip my hat to Image and uh, Kirkman, who got the IP. We got kind of a small little teaser in Void Rivals number one. And I don't know if it was just the perfect storm, but just how that whole story and comic came into being is is fun. So I'm excited to see Remander come to Image. And it's, this is, this is going to be fun. And in the same breath, we go over to the DC side. Marvel, Marvel's Marvel. They're Disney. We'll leave them alone for now. But DC, which has struggled uh, since everything. Let, let's just let's just say a cell phone company should not run a comic book company. All right. But DC has tried endless relaunches and have not had the best of luck. We do have their their current one right now, the Dawn of DC, which has seen some stuff. Uh, coming to light, and it's actually been kind of interesting. But we're seeing now a return to one of DC's greatest stories of all time, Kingdom Come. And they're doing an actual prequel, and they're involving Mark Wade and Alex Ross in the project. We haven't seen the this story. In fact, I think it was 1996 that this four-part story came out, which showed us what happens in retirement for superheroes as a new crop of heroes come up to replace them and just how disastrous it could be if you're not properly sidekicked. (laughs) So we're uh, looking at a return to kingdom come, which is going to be kicking off in world's uh, Superman and Batman world's finest number 20. So we, um, I'm really yeah, I'm I'm in on this. This will be I don't know. We'll 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 see. I don't know. Okay, so hold on. Deep breath. So the story has been kind of building and it looks like it's just kind of coming to this uh bigger story which DC does a really good job of orchestrating stories. And it's the one thing that I always have to impress upon people that the stories and the characters that DC's uh, staff put together and how they cultivate this thing is is impressive. And some of the best stories that I've seen from DC have been this great misdirect and leaves you scratching your head. And they always utilize the B-Squad characters very effectively. There's, it's not bad characters, it's bad writing. And, and we do stick to that mantra here quite a lot. So to see this kind of interesting twist with uh, this character called Boy Thunder, which, yes, I know, DC, great story, but just can't come up with a decent superhero name, uh, ends up in the multiverse, which later he would have become Magog, which is one of the principal characters in Kingdom Come. So now, starting in World's Finest, Superman, Batman, and Robin head out to the multiverse to rescue Boy Thunder, and uh, it goes horribly wrong from that point. So Wade has orchestrated and built this whole new story as uh, our heroes arrive on Earth-22. So keep an eye out on 
Superman, Bat or Batman, Superman, World's Finest number twenty, which starts this whole epic story. I'm I'm in. I can't uh, again. Loved the story too much not to read this. So what else have we got? Oh, speaking of upcoming stuff, gaming related, uh, the Legends of Vox Machina season three. They don't have an official release date yet, and they're saying January. I'm hoping that's true. I just want I just want more. I love this show. I can't I can't emphasize enough how amazing this show is and how much I love the characters and I really didn't think I was going to. So I have to just say well done. So well done. Just did I say well did I say well done yet? Did I just just check him. <laughs> also coming out this week, uh, Loki season two, which um, again I don't. I am so disappointed from Secret Invasion and whatever freaking nonsense that was. So uh, I don't know. I I want to I, I want to be optimistic. I really do, and I'm not trying to be a naysayer or just piling on top of freaking Marvel being a bunch of dipshits, but. Stop being dipshits, Marvel. Come on. If we go back to the same formula of, hey, we need a joke, so let's, you know, kick Loki in the nads again, I'm not going to stick around. I really am not. There's not enough in the Marvel uh, canon right now that interests me. The end of Guardians with uh, Chapter 3 is pretty much just kind of tied it all up for me. I'm I'm ignoring Secret Invasion and that nonsense. I'm not going to see Marvels because there's just... I was discussing this just the other night as far as how many different Captain Marvel stories they're trying to cram into this film and when, like, three of the ideas could actually support an entire series of films. So to see them just kind of bastardize and just butcher this pisses me off so to take the loki storyline and there are like some bright sides to this and i'm I'm not saying just to be naysay or negative or anything like that in fact i want i want to celebrate loki i think it was a great idea to bring this character and give him his own series because he absolutely earned it and deserves it tom hiddlestad as loki is magnificent I, I love the delivery, I love the character, and everything that they put into the character. It's it's His story is better than Thor's at this point, in my opinion. But to take him and put him into this weird amalgamation of nonsense, again, pisses me off. So, what do we have in store in front of us? It's an excellent question. And I guess we'll find out as it lands this week. And we'll see We'll see if they've learned anything from the previous outings of everything else that have gone on. Which brings me to my final take of the week. And, of course, I'm sure you were wondering if I was going to bring it up. And, of course, I'm going to. Ahsoka is uh over we got eight episodes we barely scratched the surface uh and and the question is where did we go uh besides a galaxy far far away and it's an excellent question and there's some there's some 
great stories that that Filoni has touched on and that um, I'm going to give you some of my theories, all right? I'm going to try not to spoil things, and if I do, I apologize, but I was eagerly awaiting uh, 6 p.m. so that I could watch this show. And I say this with the little inner eight-year-old that lives deep, deep inside because we don't need to let him out because he just causes havoc and just eats hot dogs and macaroni and cheese. So the thing about Ahsoka is it gave me hope for Star Wars. It had all of the right feels, and it made me happy to be a Star Wars fan again. The characters were were fun. They were different, and they carry the same weight and gravitas that we got used to when we would deal with the original Star Wars series. We have the Jedi's. We have good versus evil. There's there's plot. There's mystery. There's there's stuff to be discovered. The nice thing about this is that we had a familiarity with the characters that was not ignored, but was was expanded upon. I don't know if it was properly done and if there were things that I would have done differently with Ahsoka or Sabine or Ezra. But as the story progressed, it did do a lot more than what I expected. Star Wars has been in an amazing hand since Filoni and Favreau have taken over. The first Mandalorian series was, again, a, a tribute to Star Wars and it paid tribute to the fans, to Lucas, and respected everything that had come before. And I appreciated that. And again, it made me happy to be a Star Wars fan again. And I'm in that role and that feel all over again. So what is happening? And it's an excellent question. We got Jedi battles all across the board. We've got a a Jedi in or a fallen Jedi or a Sith, and, and see that's the fun part about this. We really don't know what Balin is. He acts like a Sith, he but he doesn't talk like one. He he does these things that are very self-driven, and I know that goes against the Jedi code. And a Jedi is supposed to be self-sacrificing, but at the same point, I don't think I've seen this kind of behavior out of a Sith Lord. And there are some fun explorations with this character. Now here's here's where we get kind of kind of fun. So um stay with me. So there is this expanded universe storyline from way back in the day, Star Wars Legends, and it talks about this Abeloth character that is an absolute scourge of the of the of the galaxy and how it will bring the end of everything as we know it uh to the world and skywalker ends up battling this and uh abeloth is known as the bringer of chaos and i honestly think that this is what the feeling that Balin is getting and being pulled towards it. I know a lot of people have thought like uh, the Bindu from Rebels, and I would love to hear Tom Baker's voice again uh, grace the screens of nerds across the planet, but I don't think it's the Bindu. And to see them kind of explore this darker thing is is kind of fun. 
Um, there's also this trilogy that was written by Chuck Wending um, called, uh, I think it was uh, Aftermath, um, that also kind of hints at the this alter ego presence, force, uh, tinglies, if you will, out there that the Emperor were, was feeling. And these are all different stories that have kind of been explored, but knowing Filoni as we do, nothing is as clean cut and as laid out there as we like to think. Everyone thought that Thrawn was the big bad, and then, you know, add the Night Sisters, and there you go. There, There's your evil. But they want to get out of Dodge. I mean, they're running from something. And is it Abeloth? The only one running to it is Balin, who's trying to find a balance and reset the galaxy, which is not really a Sith thing to do. Why would you want to bring balance and not just rule? So to see this conflict and his comments to Ahsoka when they were doing, you know, a, a fight and where they're battling. And I talked about this on the last podcast of just who is this guy? And he knows the ways of the Jedi. We do find out that he was at the temple. And we do know that he um, he was there during the purge and Order 66. What happened after that is anyone's guess. But his character itself is just fun. I, I love the, the the deepness. I mean, and I don't know if this is just Ray Stevenson's delivery or just how cool this character is. And I'm glad I was wrong that he was not Saboth, which is another character out of um, another Star Wars story, uh, Rise of the Empire, with Thrawn, where we, we, we get his character and this mad clone Jedi Master that's been sitting on a stockpile of the Emperor's favorite toys. So to not fall into that and create this whole new character is just wow. So now, what is left? We've got all of these eight episodes, which kind of really didn't go as far as any of us thought. There were no quick ends. In fact, there there's no ends at all. There are nothing but loose ends all over the place. So what happens next? Now... We have heard that there is possibly, or most likely, a second season coming. But uh, where or when or how that's going to appear is anyone's guess. And I know that them wanting to, them being Disney and Favreau and Filoni, wanting to do more films and stuff like that. So does this lead into a film? Will this go into The Mandalorian as they try to reunify this, this universe? Because what we have left now is one major mess. We have Grand Admiral Thrawn now running around in this galaxy, and that's not good for anyone. And going back to Dothmir with the three Night Sisters, Claudia Black, yay, welcome back to sci fi, looks to just destroy the, the little fledgling. Uh, you know, rebellion, new galactic empire, whatever they want to call it, uh, before it gets out of the gate. Again, I'm very curious and excited to see how they build and expand on this this new Star Wars empire. Life, 
I mean, I don't even know what to call it because it just is. It's something. It's something different, but it still has all of the the warm, fuzzy feels that we like about Star Wars. And even how the 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 episode eight ends is very reminiscent of Star Wars. We're left with a lot of unanswered questions. We want to know more. We even get the far off visual of Anakin. I mean, and, and there's so many fun things that we have seen about this that I really am, am I'm excited to see what direction this this goes. I know what the writer strike and the actor strike and strike strike strikes all over the place have probably impeded the progression of this. And what what Filoni has planned, I'm sure, is has been cultivated and, and is probably with the strike giving him time to kind of further expand and give it the legs that he's hoping to do. But there's a lot of redemptions here. There's a lot of story left to tell because let's be honest, what we got, it was it it's a great, you know, introduction. And what we can get out of this, I think, is very is unlimited. Let's face it. There are so many new avenues that we can go and where we know it ends up leaves us wondering how do we get there i would love to see another season of the mandalorian somehow tie into this and him or what's left of the mandalores running up against thrawn who let's face it is finally a another another villain that is worthy of the screen time He's not a dark lord. He's not good or bad. He is a strategic mastermind who is dangerous, who is fully capable of handing you your ass and not not even twitching, not even hesitating to do it. And to see all of these characters and everybody come together to deliver this fun Star Wars package <sighs> makes my little geek heart skip a beat. And now all our heroes are stuck on Peridia. We don't know what's going to happen. What is going to happen? It's a great question. I actually would be interested in your opinion. Give me your theories. Maybe there's something that I've missed, and let's face it, that is possible. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we'll keep watching. I'm, I'm anxious to watch it all again, all in one clip, because... Watching it weekly, as much fun as that is, I really do like just sitting down and just binging the crap out of stuff. I really do. And on that bombshell, we shall say goodbye. But in the meantime, we will be back in a couple days, a couple weeks. Lord knows what my schedule. But um, in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night. <laughs>